Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Well, good morning, and thank you for letting me share. So, uh, I'm Tindy from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I've been sober uh, since March 6th of last year. And uh, I just have to say, first off, I'm nervous, which is kind of ironic because I'm a sales guy. I stand in front of people talking all the time. Uh, I used to be a preacher. So for me to be nervous speaking on here is, is, like I said, very ironic. But I want to get that out of the way because I've noticed when I share that I'm nervous, it usually goes away a little bit. So so where I, where I came from, where I was at, is share a little bit about my past. I'm not going to dwell too long on it, I hope. But uh, for me, this disease manifested itself very early. I started realizing that about a, at the age of five that rubbing myself on the floor felt good. I, di- I didn't know exactly why. didn't understand all the concepts around it, but I, I noticed that there was just a nice sensation to it. Uh, so whenever my mom would leave the room, I would uh, rub myself on the carpet. And... Uh, Coincidentally, Days of Our Lives was always on, and I had a crush, even at five or six years old, on uh, one of the actresses on there named Hope, and, and she was like my you know, all-time favorite person. So somehow or another, I, I seemed to relate Hope to uh, you know, the this, this sensation of rubbing myself on the floor. The next thing that I remember when I'm growing up that was kind of a big event in my life was when I was probably about eight or nine years old, and I was over at my cousin's house and we were outside and we were all playing and somewhere along the way one of us found in the hedge bush outside of one of our neighbor's houses or one of his neighbor's houses a uh, a, a penthouse magazine and I remember that that magazine more than pretty much anything in my life in my childhood I can still recall that centerfold image in my mind instantly and once again that that feeling of comfort, that sensation of, of, you know, I just, I don't know where else I can get this feeling, came, it came about, it came on, onto me, and there I was. Once again, just enamored with a woman. It wasn't hope on the uh, days of our lives anymore. It was now this centerfold. Uh, but then my mind was opened up to so many more possibilities. There was just all these different magazines that I could start to get my hands on and try to look at and see different women and different things. And and I remember when I was probably 10 or 11 years old, I'd go over to my best friend's house, and he lived right around the corner from the quicksack. Well, we'd walk over to the quicksack, and uh, I would have my friend go up to the counter and buy, uh, buy some uh, candy or something like that. And while the clerk was distracted, I would go and get a, a penthouse magazine or a penthouse letters, and I would I would stuff it in my shirt, in my shirt, and I remember, you know, walking out, always knowing that somebody was going to uh, catch me doing it, and they never did. But uh, 
I remember that feeling of going back and, and we would read the articles. Yeah, right. And mostly look at pictures and, uh, you know, that, that was always so fun. But, uh, I would take those magazines home and I would hide them in different places in my house. And I would have stashes all over the place. And this was probably, I was probably nine to 10, maybe 11 or 12 years old. And, uh, I remember numerous times throughout my childhood, my dad would, he would, find them or my mom would find them when they were cleaning up and and they would come in and they would share how disappointed I, they were in me and I remember at that early age going oh I'm never going to do that again I'm never going to do that again and I would get punished and uh, I would feel ashamed and I'd feel all the guilt and 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 it just wouldn't go away until the next time when I stole another magazine and I looked at those pictures all of a sudden it was that cycle just round and around I felt so much better um I remember the next big event that happened in my life. I was about 15 years old. Once again, my dad or mom had found a stash of magazines. They came in, and my dad sat down, and I went to a very strict church, and and uh, so and my dad knew the scriptures inside and out, and so my dad came in, and he pops the Bible down in front of me, and he goes, son, let me tell you what it says, what Jesus says in Matthew 5:28. And he quotes the scripture to me, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you're committing adultery. And all of a sudden, my little sex addict brain took off with that. It was like, hallelujah, there it is. I'm already doing it. I might as well really do it. So I remember at that point, it was another little transition in my life. And I was like, well, when I turn, as soon as I turn 16 and I'm allowed to date, I'm going to have sex. And for me, at the age of 16, I went up to the first girl that, I knew was considered loose in school and asked her to go on a date with me. And she accepted and we went out and the only reason I went out with her was to have sex. And I remember when we did have sex, the best way I can describe it is that the gates of heaven were opened up, the light was shining down, the angels were singing. To me, that was a spiritual experience that, that, it's just no other feeling that I've ever experienced in life. Um, and I've spent, I'm now 44 years old. I have spent the rest of my life from the time I was 16 till 11 months ago seeking that same spiritual experience, if you will, that same high, that same uh, amazing feeling that I had when I was 16. But I never could get it. Every experience after that was a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And uh, I just remember I got married at 18. I thought that would fix me. Um, I mean, not at 18, excuse me, at 23. And I thought that would fix me. And that didn't fix me. Um, matter of fact, because she was a virgin when we got married and I was not, um, I had this expectation of what sex was supposed to be like, and her ideas was totally different. You know, I, I'm a good sex addict. For me, it's just all about, you know, uh, swinging off the chandeliers and, and uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey type thing. But uh, for my innocent wife at the time, it was not about that. It was about love and romance and connectedness and things that I just didn't have the, have the ability to do. Because I've been looking at porn and having sex for a long time. And for me, it was about a physical experience. For her, it was much more. And I just never got that. So we were married for about 10 years. We had two kids. And uh, in the middle of all that, 
uh, I found I started doing things like going to see prostitutes because that was less likely for me to get caught. And, you know, I'm paying somebody. Uh, little did I know that, uh, you know, that that's not the way it's going to work out for me. Uh, matter of fact, one of the prostitutes I was seeing on a regular basis, uh, she contacted my wife. And uh, that was around 2001. Several things happened in 2001. I, uh, I contracted an STD. And I gave it to my wife, and I had, and at that same time, this prostitute was contacting my wife, trying to blackmail me to get money. So all of a sudden, I couldn't, I couldn't lie anymore. The gig was up. Um, my wife at that time told me to, you know, I needed to go into some therapy and some counseling. I needed some help. Sure enough, I, I knew I needed help, but I just, I didn't quite get it. But, but I wanted to save my marriage. I wanted to keep uh, my, my marriage intact and my relationship with my kids going. And so in 2001, September of 2001, it was right after the Twin Towers fell. So there was multiple uh, things going on in my life. I'm like, my goodness, you know, America's under attack. I'm under attack. I need help. I went to see a therapist, and that therapist had me sit down with the white book, and answer those 20 questions in the first chapter. And lo and behold, I had answered every one but going to jail. I hadn't gone to jail yet. So I was a sex addict. I was like, okay, I believe I'm a sex addict. And he sent me to SA for my first meeting. And I remember walking into that room and sitting down. And I don't know if you guys ever experienced any of this, but I sure did. I sat down, I listened to all these people's stories, and I'm like, those guys are crazy. I'm not that bad. And, uh, you know, but I kept coming back. And I kept coming back. And so 2001 to 2005, I thought my marriage was doing better. I thought things were going well. I had four years of sobriety under my belt. I've been going to SA, but there's this part of the program that I missed in 2001 to 2005. It's called working the steps. I was sober because I was afraid. And I got through steps one through four, and I stopped at four. As a matter of fact, I never got all the way through four. In 2005, I was sober, but my wife, she sure didn't like what was going on in my, in my life at that time. She didn't like me. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. I'm sure I was probably grumpy, irritable. I was discontent. Uh, wasn't getting my solution, which was sex. And because uh, my wife and I hadn't had sex in about four years because uh, – and last time we'd had sex, I gave her an STD. I mean, that doesn't make for a great, uh, a great memory. And so, uh, you know, things were just not going well. I thought they were going great. And one day in a therapist session, my wife walks in and says, I can't do this anymore. I want a divorce. And that's when the walls came tumbling down for me again. I, f I fell off the wagon hard. I was like, you know what? I'm no longer married. I don't want to date in sobriety. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to experience every bit of this stuff I've learned about in the rooms that I can. So I picked up where I'd left off and I went tenfold. I was looking at porn. I was, I was masturbating eight, nine, ten times a day. Uh, every chance I could get, you know, I, I was hooking up with whoever I could find on the Internet. I found websites that I'd heard about on, uh, in these rooms, and I went out there full force. And I spent about eight or nine years just full force doing everything I could. I was going into swingers clubs. I was having sex with men's wives. Uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was just 
any website I could find I was on trying to hook up and ha- have sex. I would have sex with different women three, four, five times a week. And it was just, I was going crazy. And then 2000, about 2009, I met my current wife. I met her, and this woman was absolutely amazing. She was beautiful. She was articulate. She was smart. Uh, she, she helped me to get a better job. I mean, this woman was great. And uh, she was going to be my next wife, and I knew it. And she was going to fix me and all my problems. But early on in that relationship, we st- I started seeing that, uh, that there were cracks in the walls. I was still flirting with people on the side. I was still answering ads on some of these uh, websites. And I wasn't back in the rooms. I wasn't going back to SA. Matter of fact, I lied to her and told her I wasn't a, sexo- a sexaholic or sex addict. And... Uh, we got married about a year later. She'd caught me in a few lies here and there, but, you know, I'm, I'm a really good talker. I was able to talk her out of, of, of leaving me. Matter of fact, we separated for a month, and uh, a month later I convinced her to come back and that everything was going to be okay and, and, and I'm a changed man and all is good. We got married, and uh, that was 2010 when we got married, and, and, and excuse me, 2011. We got married in the first part of 2011. And uh, I was okay for about a month. Then I started going out on websites again. I started talking to people. I started uh, feeling that itch that I needed to, 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 to feel, and it just wasn't there. I was needing that, that, that high that connect with me and make me whole, and I just couldn't find it. And I couldn't find it with my wife. I couldn't find it with, uh, with people on the Internet. I couldn't find it looking at porn. Something happened a couple years into our marriage. I got a job working from home. And, man, I was off to the races again. I'm working from home. I have no accountability. I'm able to look at anything I want to. Once again, I was masturbating five, six, seven times a week. I mean, excuse me, a day. Uh, I, I was masturbating to the point of exhaustion. I couldn't even have sex with my own wife when she got home. She wanted it, and I couldn't give it to her. And she also wanted an emotional connection, and I never could give it to her. My wife now has this really great intuition. She always knew when I was on the Internet and doing things. But uh, she would let it build up, build up, and then at one point she would get on my computer and she would find stuff, and I'd talk my way out of it. And we continued the cycle for several years until about three years ago. And three years ago she said, I'm leaving, uh, or you're leaving. And uh, I didn't want her to leave. More than anything, I wanted to keep my wife. So I got back into SA three years ago, and I would do okay for a couple of months. I wasn't really working the steps. I wasn't listening to my sponsor. I wasn't doing the things I needed to do. And uh, I did that off and on for two years. I switched in the last three years. I've had three sponsors. I didn't listen to any of the sponsors until, let me tell you what happened on March 5th of last year, of 2017. Once again, I was doing that thing. I was... I was masturbating, looking at porn, emailing women, and, and trying to hook up with couples and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and I left my email up on the computer. Me and my wife were supposed to go to a Predators game. I love the Predators. Hockey is one of my favorite things. We were supposed to go to a Predators uh, event, a, a charity event that night. And uh, lo and behold, I went out for a little bit. I came back, and I walked into my office, and on my screen was all the emails that I had been sending back and forth. Once again, the gig's up. She knows it. She's known it all along to some degree. But finally, I had to just get really honest with her. 
and I had to share with her a big portion of what's going on with me that I couldn't do before. I sat down. She said, I'm done. No more of this. I knew my marriage was over. So on March 5th, after she found all that, I went out there. I tried to hook up with anybody I could think of. I masturbated and masturbated and masturbated. And you know what happened? Nothing. Absolutely nothing happened. I was still completely miserable. For me, for the first time in 20-something years, the drink did not work for me anymore. Lust didn't work. It didn't fix it. I was, I was miserable. So the second thing that happened is I woke up on March the 6th. I went to a meeting in Franklin, Tennessee, and I sat down in that room, and I said for the very first time the words that I've refused to say since 2001, I am a sexaholic. Now, I don't know what it is about that word, but I think that is the dumbest word I've ever heard. A sexaholic makes no sense to me. Now, I sit in these rooms and I would qualify as a sex addict, but I would never surrender to the point where I said I'm a sexaholic. So all of a sudden, I was surrendered. I said I'm a sexaholic for the very first time. And then the next thing that happened is I, I, I picked up a new sponsor, and this sponsor Believe it or not, his, uh, he comes from the lineage of Bill Stewart or Bill S. And, uh, and Bill is a big believer in working the steps. And my sponsor told me, it was about March 7th, March 8th, he said, we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to meet every week, and I want you to meet me every week. I want you to call me every day, and I want you to, I want you to work the steps. We're going to work the steps quickly, and we're going to work them often. So in the last 11 months, I have done all the steps, well, 1 through 11, uh, 12 is, uh, 10, 11, and 12 are a daily thing. I'm working on those as we speak. I do them every night for the last two or three weeks. I've been doing 10 and 11. And 12 is just the 12th step, working with others. And uh, I've done those. I have found a spiritual connectedness that I never thought I could have uh, in 11 months. Uh, and, and I'm going to talk to you briefly. I don't know how much more time I have, but I'm going to talk to you briefly about an issue that I've been having. It's the thing that I never want to talk about. I don't want to talk about it in the meetings. I don't want to share it, so I'm sharing it with you guys today. I have struggled for the last 11 months with erectile dysfunction, with ED. I couldn't, for the, for the life of me, have sex with my wife without thinking about lust, without thinking about the past affairs, without thinking about past experiences, or without thinking about porn and things that I'd seen in there. And about two weeks ago, I was at the, uh, at the Santa, uh, San Antonio conference. I guess it was about a week ago now. I was at the San Antonio conference, and I've been struggling with this issue, and I sat down with Harvey, and we had a talk, and he shared with me some things and reminded me of a talk that he had had years ago that I was listening to. And uh, his talk was talking about bring God into your marriage bed. I'm like, well, that's kind of silly, but I'll, I'll try it. So, uh, you know, what Harvey instructed uh, people to do was, you know, one, pray, pray the Lord's Prayer before you get in bed to have sex with your wife. And I tried that. I tried that when I got back from San Antonio, and I'm here to tell you I was absolutely 100% amazed. I have never ever experienced anything like that in my life. Um, 
The ED was gone. My nervousness was gone. There was no lust in my marriage bed. And that experience was equal to, if not way better than, and I think it was way better than my experience when I was 16 years old. And I've tried that a few other times in the last couple of weeks, and it's been absolutely wonderful. The lust has been gone out of my marriage bed. Um, you know, my problems were, ED, were gone away. Um, it's been wonderful. And, uh, you know, I can't promise that I'll keep doing that, but, uh, you know, it's just been it's amazing. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm finally experiencing a spiritual experience. I, I'm working with others. I'm going through step nine, and that's the huge part of this, this program, step nine for me, is, is where the change happened. When I actually sat down with people and I start talking about, you know what, I was not a good husband to you. I was not a good, I was not a good friend. I was not a good listener. I was selfish. I was dishonest. Um, you know, I just share my character defects. And what I found with people is when I do that, I connect with them on a whole different level. And as I've done that with my wife, and I no longer say I'm sorry. I do something my sponsor tells me to do, which is say, I was wrong. And now that I say I was wrong, all of a sudden, I can't explain it, but my wife likes me a lot more now. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty amazing. She actually comes to me now and talks to me openly about her feelings and things like that, where before she was afraid to because I would get angry or I would, uh, I would dismiss it or, you know, whatever. Um, I just... It's a pretty amazing experience for me. And so this last 11 months has been way better than those first four years of sobriety that I had in the early 2000s. And I just hate that it took this long, but sometimes I think for us uh, as sex addicts, as sexaholics, it takes, it takes learning through our bad experiences to come to where we're at today. And, and I just, I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm here today and I'm able to share and uh, I just hope that you guys are able to get something out of what I shared. And before I, before I turn the phone back over, there's something I was reading the other day. Actually, my, my wife gave this to me. Uh, it was a song. And I, I'm just going to read some of the verse that really just got me. It's, it's uh, beginning. Just let that word wash over you. It's all right now. Love's healing's hands have pulled you through. So get back up. And then I, I underlined this, take step one. Leave the darkness, feel the sun, because your story's far from over and your journey's just begun. Let every heartbreak and every scar be, be a picture that reminds you who has carried you this far. Because love sees farther than you ever could. In this moment, heaven's working everything for your good. And, and those words, when, when, when I listened to that, just touched me that, um, man, I've got a new beginning. And every day is a new beginning for me. Um, and if I hadn't walked back in these rooms and completely 100% wholeheartedly surrendered and said, I am a sexaholic, and I haven't completely surrendered and and call my sponsor every single day like he asked me to do, I wouldn't be here today. Um, I hope I never forget March 5th. 
I hope I never forget the day that, that, that sex and lust and intrigue didn't work for me. Because uh, I'll be honest, the last 11 months, there's been a time or two I've forgotten that. And I've gotten awfully close to walking back out the door and doing that, doing that thing again and trying it one more time. I don't want to today. Um, I just don't. It's not fun anymore. And uh, I hope I can remember that. And I hope sharing it with you has helped you guys in some way. So thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.